Hey everyone, welcome to the Crypto Unstacked podcast. I'm your host, Leslie Lamb. Wherever you are, whoever you are, crypto skeptic, half believer, or enthusiast, it's really great to have you tuning in to Crypto Unstacked, where we bring you a cup of crypto every week and unstack everything from crypto finance to global macroeconomics. This podcast assumes basic knowledge of crypto and aims to explore some more advanced topics about the crypto markets, such as trading strategies, lending, and derivatives. The Crypto Unstacked podcast is meant for informational purposes only and should not be considered as financial or investment advice. Nothing expressed in this podcast should be construed as a solicitation, recommendation, endorsement, or offer by Amber Group to buy or sell any financial products. Information expressed by the host or guest in this podcast does not necessarily reflect the views of Amber Group. This week, we chat with James Ho, Senior Business Strategist at Animoca Brands, a leading public game publisher headquartered in Hong Kong. Animoca leverages gamification, blockchain, and AI to develop and publish a broad portfolio of gaming titles such as The Sandbox, F1 Delta Time, Garfield Games, Dorimon Games, the list goes on. In this episode, James and I chat about Animoca's vision for the blockchain gaming ecosystem, a burgeoning subset within a $100 billion gaming industry. James talks about the current centralized free-to-play gaming model which he describes as a walled garden approach to gaming. He breaks down the unique ways open source blockchain games will disrupt this model, such as offering user-generated non-fungible tokens and ultimately enabling true digital ownership of virtual assets. James also gives us a taste of what to expect from their most anticipated titles, such as The Sandbox and F1 Delta Time, both games that have very interesting token-based incentive mechanisms. We really just scratched the surface on blockchain gaming within this episode, but I learned a lot about the world of video games and where it's headed. Thanks for tuning in, and I hope you enjoy this week's episode. Hey, James. Welcome to Crypto Unstagged. It's really great to have you join me on the pod. Thanks, Leslie. I'm glad to be here. James, you and I are both in Hong Kong, so super excited to connect with someone else within the broader crypto sphere in Asia. This is a very special episode on a topic that I'm not all that familiar with, but I'm super excited to learn more about, which is gaming. So before we kind of dive into all of that, it would be great if you can share more about your background and your experience within gaming and kind of that cross-section between gaming and crypto, which we'll talk about today. Okay, excellent. I spent the last two years years or so with uh, Animoca Brands, which is one of the perennial gaming studios based out of Hong Kong. Our sort of business started about a decade ago, really in the free-to-play space. One of our strengths is really working with a multitude of IP partners, including NLB, Sanrio, Hellkitty, you name it. We work with some pretty strong IP partners. In the last two years, we really focused and believed that the, the vision of where gaming is going to is the combination of blockchain and gaming. Yeah. And are you a gamer yourself? I used to be a huge gamer back in, obviously, teenage years, uh, Nintendo and PlayStation and whatnot. And as we get older, I think what's fascinating is really looking into how gaming has evolved, uh, obviously, with mm-hmm. the growth of some of these massive games like Fortnite, 
Minecraft. Nowadays, we're studying more the different business models of where gaming as a as an industry is going. Uh, as you know, gaming is a is a hundred fifty billion dollar sector, so it's a massive sector, bigger than music and movies combined. So less playing, but definitely need to get back into playing more competitively. Yeah, I. Typically, I hear stories about, you know, avid gamers spend so many hours in the bedroom just, you know, playing games of all sorts from day to night. And these guys actually turn their hobby into work, right? Which I think is super fascinating. Was there something in your pre-Animoca life that actually led you to say, you know what, like gaming is really the industry that I want to be working in? I think really the the community aspect of it. When we watch movies, is not really a collective community sort of sharing. I think in gaming, especially with the internet and the growth of the internet speeds we now have a community that is built on the metaverse uh, and i'm not sure if you've seen the movie ready player one but that's becoming a reality of where gaming is becoming we can actually interact on a, a third world if you will to trade to talk to hang out to socialize that's shown recently with fortnite's launch of travis scott's album over I 12 yeah 12 million concurrent users that's probably the record right now people can only watch the record launch online in fortnite yeah, who, who would have thought, right, going from a live concert in person to something in a virtual world in a gaming ecosystem. And Fortnite's one of the biggest games out there, right? Correct, correct. It's, right now, it's currently sitting, I believe, at 350 million registered users with uh, over um, 100 million monthly active users. So these numbers, uh, obviously, in, in the crypto space is, yeah. is to die for in any sort of means of industries, right? And I think the data analytics of it is quite exciting because even Travis Scott having the ability to launch in-game has driven his sales up by 30% across all his spectrum wow. on Spotify, on downloads, et cetera, et cetera, right? So this is becoming a, a real world growth. Obviously, those are traditional behemoths of company, AAA studios, that are, are generating billions of dollars in revenue. We are actually coming from a very, very, very different spectrum in blockchain gaming, and we're still very early days. But Animoca as a company has been very active in betting, investing, partnering, and growing the ecosystem for blockchain gaming. Mm-hmm. You guys are obviously serving a really, really big market. You guys recognize that gaming is a key driver for blockchain adoption. And you guys think that blockchain gaming will really kind of taking your words, shift the power to the player. Correct, and correct. this hasn't really been the case. So can you talk about the current state of gaming and how you think blockchain games will really disrupt the gaming model as we know it? Sure. Okay. So I think just going back to not too distant future, our company made it a small invest in a company called Dapper Labs. Dapper Labs was very famous for the creation on CryptoKitties. CryptoKitties was a company that was based out of Vancouver, BC, where I'm from. Very innovative in the sense that they started using ERC721 to build this game called CryptoKitties. Essentially, what they built was a game that allowed, for the first time, a non-fungible token, an NFT. The NFT in itself, the gameplay was quite minimal. You're basically allowed to grow cats and trade them. But with the use of NFTs, this is the first time in the digital realm where we're seeing true digital ownership and true digital provenance, meaning that if you had a cat that you wanted to mate, you actually own the rights to it. Unlike the Tomodachi that didn't really have an interaction with one another, this truly had the ability to mate and you had a, a scarcity model that was built into this sort of experience. The game itself garnered such users around the world that it crashed the Ethereum network. And this was really the light bulb moment for us as a company where like, this is the future of where gaming needs to be, where players need to own their tokens and blockchain will allow for true digital ownership. And that's a good starting point for where we are today. What we have done since done is we, we really built out a very strong team across Asia to look for deals and also to invest our resources into either acquiring or developing projects across the globe. 
Mm-hmm. And a big part of blockchain gaming is the fact that it's open source, right? And again, the power isn't centered, you know, within a gaming studio, but with this true digital ownership, you can use these NFTs that you mentioned across different types of games. So you're not bound to just one game from start to finish, right? So can you talk more about the open source aspect? Okay. So I think if we look back to gaming itself, I think gamers already have a very deep understanding on tokenomics, on virtual goods, because it's traded in, in economy. So just based on 2019 numbers, we, we've seen over $50 billion of at virtual assets traded. This has grown because of the, the free-to-play model where purchase in-game app purchases and whatnot, and driving this sort of growth and momentum. But the challenge of uh, the current model of free-to-play of in-game app purchases is that of the $70 billion mobile gaming space, only 3% of it is capitalized. Because example, if you play Candy Crush, you may spend an hour, you may not pass the level, but you might spend 100 hours to pass it. So the percentage mm-hmm. of people still willing to pay to pass or skip a level is still very low at 3%. So with the 1% potential movement in this, the industry will grow by $20 billion in free-to-play. Where we see the growth uh, division of Animoca is really seeing that the assets that are going to be owned by the players rather than paying to, to rent the actual assets. So this is where the growth of blockchain and NFTs will, will really take play because the current sort of gaming model really is a walled garden approach. Uh, gamers mm-hmm. can only play within the game and the assets you own are rented or leased to you when you're playing. And when a game dies, and this is shown in the past in Diablo and World of Warcraft, the hyperinflation in games where games will die and your assets become zero. Whereas in, in the crypto space or in the blockchain space, your assets don't just remain in one game. Obviously, there's still sort of growth to get to, but interoperability and trading ownership of your token, you actually own it and you can play it within multiple games or multiple publishers, if you will. Yeah, I think this is a good segue to talk about some of the companies that you guys are invested in that are pioneering these types of blockchain games. Uh, so for example, Sandbox, you mentioned earlier, there's another company called the Formula One, right? Talk to me about how these companies are, again, disrupting this gaming model so that the value is being transferred to the user and it's fun, right? To yep. be able to play in these games by owning the assets. Absolutely. So great. Sandbox is a, a, a studio that we we saw and Animoca acquired the Pixel Studios about two years ago. And basically we, we saw two of the, the founders, uh, Sebastian and Arthur, as true gaming veterans. And their background in building free-to-play was very successful. And the original Sandbox title had garnered 40 million downloads. Uh, nothing, nothing to wow. laugh about. And so very successful. And what propelled us to sort of acquire them and work in collaboration with them is that they also believed in a non-fungible token and a world where a blockchain would really grow the economies. So the game itself follows a, a hybrid between Minecraft and Roblox, two of the most notable games for our generation. Basically, Minecraft has 126 million monthly active users. Uh, it's 10 years old, was sold to Microsoft. Roblox mm-hmm. has 158 million monthly active users. Again, numbers to, to die for and dream um, mm-hmm. in any sort of you know industries. Uh, where we see the goal of this game is that we're building the first of its kind of user-generated NFTs. Essentially what it means is that you have a, a voxel editing tool to build and design the game you want to play in this metaverse. And within the game economy, you can trade your assets and sell it, and they'll be minted within this universe. The game recently announced a partnership with Atari. So Atari will be building a universe within this metaverse, uh, and that will be super exciting for players. Mm. One point to note is that during our fundraise, we achieved close to $5 million U.S. million. Uh, we had a mixture of investors coming in from crypto funds, 
traditional equities and gaming studios. And one of the notable ones that we achieved was from Square Enix, one of the perennial gaming studios that created Final Fantasy. So we're finding that people are starting to have an appetite to understand what blockchain gaming and true digital ownership means for the future of gaming. Do you feel like some of these traditional gaming studios are fearful of the disruption that blockchain gaming will actually do to their existing business model? Great question. I think uh, it's taken us a, a quite a bit of time uh, in terms of educating the brand partners that we've been working very closely with. A lot of the brand partners are really just concerned about where their IP will go. Obviously, right. creating an NFT is, you don't really destroy the NFTs if it, if it grows the economy in the, in the market, right? So as, as part of the creator of this space, you need to protect the scarcity and the value of the minted tokens to be traded, creating sort of a liquidity for players to use these tokens within game. So I think the brands are starting to understand, wow, this could be really exciting for us to build communities, right? So they're less scared about what the future of gaming holds. It's more, how do we protect our IP and control our IP? Most of them are, are starting to get quite curious about how they can actually work alongside with companies like ourselves to create this, which leads us to a very good segment. Uh, F1 took us a, a good amount of time to really educate, and they've now worked with us. The Formula One as a company worked with us, uh, the Animoca Studios based out of Hong Kong, to build the F1 Delta Time. So the F1 Delta Time in itself is a, is a truly great title that we're launching by the end of the year. And we've basically started garnering uh, sales of our virtual cars, virtual F1 cars. We're able to sell the first car for 416 ETH. This is a virtual gaming cart which sold for over wow. 110,000 USD. We've done over an auction. So we had uh, quite a few people auctioning for the, the first one-on-one -on -one car. And what we've done is we used the ERC721 to really allow the different attributes for this car will be a special one-on-one -on -one car that can be raced amongst all the portfolio of the, these titles that we're going to be building. And this is like a gamer who bid for this car or someone who was just like very excited about Formula One, like as an enthusiast. The bidding of the cars was quite interesting because we did it as, a, as an auction. And in order for you to, to really be accepted to the auction, we had to be able to access the wallet to see the necessary funds. As I said earlier, blockchain gaming is still in its early days and early adopters typically come from very different shapes and sizes. And I think a lot of them are still what we consider whales that hold a lot of token. And the ones that were bidding obviously were maybe gamers or maybe betting for the future. Our goal as a company is to really sort of excite not just the whales that have a lot of token to play with, but the mass mainstream players that start you know, downloading the wallet, understanding what NFTs are, trading it. So hence, we started doing pretty exciting things for F1. We've launched something called Crate Boxes. Crate Boxes has done very well in the sense that when you buy a Crate Box, you have five items hidden inside of it. And then basically you can, and it automatically sort of gets thrown onto OpenSea Marketplace, one of the largest digital collectible marketplaces, and it can be traded immediately. So we're using different models and mechanisms to, to raise awareness and also raise funding to grow these games. So to date, we've achieved over half a million dollars raised through these different mechanisms for F1 Delta time. People are starting to really, um, you know, trade these items, but still very low volume. Uh, and, the, and the goal is to really grow small items. Like, for instance, you need to pick up a different engine or wheels and, and really change the gameplay based on NFT design. You know, a concept I'm very fascinated by is the concept of token-based incentive mechanisms and the use of tokens to bootstrap in the crypto space. It would be liquidity, right, on trading venues. Um, but within the gaming ecosystem, I guess it wouldn't necessarily be liquidity. It would just be game time, 
right? Incentivizing people to actually spend a lot of time playing the game. So actually sticking with the current example of F1, is there a token that users can expect to earn and get rewards from? Oh, great question. What we're seeing is that once we signed F1, our IP team went off and I really started uh, conversing with the different sort of motorsports. We've since signed uh, Formula E, uh, MotoGP, uh, among some others we're in discussions with, including Le Mans and GT. So what we're seeing as, a, as an idea within the company is really to introduce a rev token. A rev token is what we believe will be providing utility for the game players within these ecosystem of, game, of games that we redesign or potentially other sort of publishing developers design. We'll have a token that can cross amongst different games. So really putting forward what we believe and what we see the future of gaming will look like. And this rev token, hopefully what we, we plan to do is that once we see a strong liquidity amongst players, we can also list it on different exchanges and grow the gaming community like this. So this is still early days right now. We started testing some of staking and people are starting to lease out their digital assets for racing. Uh, and so a lot of new models are emerging. And as, as we grow the industry, we do see this uh, becoming more and more mature on different products that we can offer. Mm -hmm. I know that Enamoka is also very fond of building long-term relationships and partnerships by acquisitions. Some of your largest partnerships include, very surprisingly, NBA, right, or FC Barcelona, or even Game of Thrones, for example. Yep. So how do you identify these partners who, quite frankly, don't have a focus on the gaming industry? And can you take us through one of the more interesting partnerships that you've helped with since being at Animoca? Sure. Okay. One of my missions really is to increase and excite the communication on where this industry is going and ultimately to build a community that actually believes in it and grows with it. So one of the companies that we made an investment on is uh, OpenSea. We love the guys from the OpenSea team that was a small, scrappy team that was building a marketplace. Six months ago, it was, you know, there's many people building it. And now they've one of the leading ones that we work with closely. And I think they're probably the number one marketplace for digital assets, crypto digital assets that are being traded. The second strategy that we focus on from our core team is also to look at companies that are in gaming that don't have a, a deep knowledge on token or NFTs but have a very strong user base of players. Uh, and we basically will bring them on board in the Animoca family and start introducing them into the space of how we can grow their existing user base and expand it to one, Asia, and two, to understand what blockchain and the future of blockchain will look like. And those include Gamey, a hyper-casual gaming uh, studio we bought out of Eastern Europe. Two is Enway, which we acquired out of New York. They built one versus one Legacy Wars, which is famous for integrating Power Rangers with Street Fighter. Uh -huh. uh, and so that's been pretty interesting. And a lot of our sort of commercial terms now is, is quite exciting because we'll look at obtaining not just the IP rights, but also the digital collectible NFT rights. Yeah. Talk to me about Gamey. That seems to be your most recent acquisition. Correct. Correct. We met with the team a couple months ago. So they're a great team that basically churns out hyper-casual games, uh, HTML games, uh, and they have millions of players actually. So one of the sort of sweet spot is that they had a full integration onto Telegram, which you can challenge your friends and and really is a super viral. So we, we, we saw this as an interesting mechanism because we are, again, making bets on gaming studios and partners that have the ability to understand how to build communities and users. They started introducing fiat awards within the game 
small fiat sort of prizes and competition. Mm-hmm. Uh, but eventually, we're going to start testing different models of token, you know, NFTs that have value that you can play a game better and whatnot. So exciting things. Stay tuned for Gamey. We're going to integrate some pretty cool games into it and gameplay and rewards. Nice. And hyper casual just means like you don't have to commit a lot to it. You can just play and stop at any time. Yeah, you can just play and stop anytime. For example, they built a game. I don't know if you remember. I don't want to get into politics, but President Trump was uh, talking about building the wall. So Gamey was very reactive and designed a game that had a character that looked like President Trump that was shooting, not politically correct, but they were shooting Mexicans. So oh my God. obviously these would garner a great laugh. Uh, and, and a great adoption in terms of players. Yeah. But some of the games are really following uh, a really interesting sort of feature because their team is just works very quickly uh, and capturing sort of day-to-day humor or politics or news. Right. Okay, that's that's super interesting. So they're, they're coming out when? At the launch. They're a pretty established studio. Uh, I'll send you a link so you guys can you know, play it and whatnot as well. Okay, great. Going back to one of the other games that you mentioned earlier, Sandbox, I really wanted to dive deeper into the types of monetization streams that you guys can get. What do these monetization opportunities look like? Yeah, so monetization is is something that is super interesting in terms of the the new world of how we see gaming. Obviously, one of the the, the key assets of being on the blockchain is that it's immutable. It's very secure in terms of how you guys are tokenizing and trading. Technically, you really can't be hacked if you're basically on this network. Uh, And the true digital ownership part of it is basically allowing for you own the actual asset. And for the future of it, we, we see that once you're creating and building the community and liquidity, there's going to be a lot of trading within the within the game. Sandbox is going to be launched near the end of the year. I'm not sure if there's any delays yet, but I think what they're doing right now is they're onboarding a lot of brand partnerships. So mm-hmm. the likes of the Sheep and then Atari, they're all building sort of different things within the metaverse. The tokens that they're going to be building will be able to be traded. So one sort of revenue stream is buying tokens. And when any component of the universe becomes quite popular, the scarcity model will drive demand. So similar to any sort of economies. And how we make money is that anything that's transacted on our marketplace, we take a certain percentage on each transaction, like one from 1% to 2% transactions. We can set that sort of rate. So if you have a million players trading, we'll take 2% on each transaction, however that tokens will be traded. Interesting. So you can trade these tokens, you can eventually stake the tokens for you know access to other rewards what are some other things that you know you can do with these tokens as someone who's like holding them for a really long time before the game actually gets published right because that's always the risk is that yep. you know maybe a game comes out says here are the rewards you know people buy into the hype and then what happens when the game itself just like never launches? That's definitely definitely a worry. I think I think in most cases of any sort of ICOs back in the day, right? What's the actual utility of these being created, right? We also look at companies from investment perspective, right? Like how are they building it? How's their scarcity model? And tokenomics, right? So I think for investors, they have to obviously do their due diligence. But from from an investment side, from our, our titles right now, they haven't fully launched all the tokens yet, right? We believe in building the liquidity first. When there are game players playing the game, and when the, the tokenomics are are working within the game, we will launch a token. We don't plan to launch a multitude of tokens. We really want to grow each of the segments that we're, we're participating in. So for Sandbox, I think right now they they are pushing the Sand token part of the investment sort of side of it. They allowed a lot of the investors to invest not only in equity but also with Sand, and they're just starting to launch how to uh, invest their Sand within the game. Uh, on hiring people to build assets and whatnot like that. So before we move on to the next topic, let's take a quick break and hear a few words about Amber Group. 
This episode of the Crypto Unstacked podcast is presented by Amber Group. Amber Group is a fully integrated crypto finance platform offering a suite of secondary market services across trading, wealth management, and financing solutions. We are backed by some amazing investors such as Paradigm and Pantera and work with clients and partners all over the world. Head on over to ambergroup.io to learn more about us. That's A-M-B-E-R-G-R-O-U-P.io. James, in preparing for our conversation, I come across an interview with Animoca founder and chairman Yatsu, uh, who said that a game designer has to become an economist. Like, let that sink in for a second. In that game designers need to think about long-term consequences of the features that are embedded into games, um, you know, and how users will respond to these features. So in blockchain gaming, the question seems to be, how do we create a game that accrues value to users, not only in the short term, which is very important, but also for the long term? Um, So what are your thoughts on this and specifically, how do you think these types of blockchain games can create a virtual value? That's a great question. I think we touched upon it earlier regarding uh, the walled garden approach of today's games. Mm-hmm. So I think as a simple comparison, today's games, what we see is they're being uh, centralized. They have centralized virtual item market. Uh, and this has proven to be, in the early days, it seems like it's successful, but it's really blocking the growth of it. A perfect example is uh, CSGO. Uh, what they happen is they control their platform, not decentralized. And basically, a lot of the the, the products, can, you can start uh, this fraud that's then launched into it, and then obviously um, inflation in the games as well too, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so what what we're seeing is that you know when when obviously the, we're still super early days in terms of blockchain gaming, and the numbers aren't aren't indicative. It's showing its growth, but it's nowhere near where the true, ga- you know, mature gaming studios are right now. Um, but if you look at um, our, our the, if this asset class in terms of designing a game that actually has that lives beyond just a game and, and is traded, uh, we need to start incentivizing and, and educating designers to look at deeply into the, the scarcity model of, of how games are designed. Right, uh, scarcity model similar to trading or crypto is, is very much needed, um, but just based on the facts that we spoke about earlier, right now, virtual assets are traded at $50 billion in 2019. We see this growth to $100 billion by 2022 already. These are being traded in assets that you don't own yet. So we always wonder as a, as a company, what happens when you start owning these assets? What happens to this $100 billion? Where will it move to? Mm-hmm. We think that this is going to be the catalyst to really grow the gaming industry by five, if not 10x. Right. So the fact that true digital ownership means that it opens doors to kind of stuff beyond just games themselves, right? That these assets can be taken out of that ecosystem and perhaps mean something in the real world, Correct. right? And, and that's how you can sort of extract the value from this perceived imaginative world, right? Where swords and shields and whatever only mean a lot of things in the game. Correct. But what you're saying is through blockchain gaming and through your work investing in in these types of games, you're then trying to figure out how to create incentives beyond the gaming world. Is that kind of correct? So let me expand on that. So I think it's based on the the core sort of technology on blockchain. We see that the early days from 96 to 2000s as the web 1.0 to web 2.0, 
where data it was really copied, right? You can copy text, images, videos, music, and there's no sort of stopping like, mm -hmm. the copying, right? We're now entering into the internet of value where we see blockchain as the core technology allowing for ownership transfer. So not even just in gaming, but we have intangible assets, like currency, copyrights, real estate, goods, and contracts that can all be controlled under the blockchain. And this is where we take advantage of gaming, where gaming has traditionally moved a lot of value within trading economies within games. We're now seeing that with the internet of value, people can trade beyond the walled garden games. Mm. And this is where we, we see the, the, the industry growing to potentially a trillion dollar industry is once you start creating that value. Um, and it goes across content owners. We do believe this is going uh, to be pretty exciting for the future of gaming. Ultimately, we need great games, right? I mean, right, people right. that play games don't care if it's blockchain or not blockchain. They care that it's a great game. And I think it's a bonus that they own everything because then they now have value that they can trade. Yeah, it's similar to what we say in the crypto world which is down the line, we'll know that we've gotten mass adoption once people stop asking whether this is powered by blockchain um, exactly. and what blockchain is. You know, it's it's just going to be a tool or an application that is, of course, run by blockchain, but it's just going to feel like any other interface, right? And that's where we are with the internet right now. I don't need to know or understand anything about the code behind it. I just know nope. that I can jump from portal to portal um, and my life has been made easy by this innovation. I've learned a lot during this conversation on kind of the mentality behind what blockchain gaming can promise to perhaps the next generation of gamers or even non-gamers. Looking forward, what are some things that Animoca is thinking about or, or working on to grow the blockchain gaming ecosystem? So yeah, so we're, we're pretty sort of excited about a lot of projects that we're focusing on. We really want to grow the future of gaming where it's a player-owned game model, where people really start sort of incentivized to, to play games that they, they own a piece of what they're, they're essentially creating or crafting content in. Um, one of the, th the key things that we're, we started to look at um, is the financial services. Financial services is very early days for us. For example, we started designing a gamification of a wallet uh, to really sort of educate people to come on board. But as you know, coming from crypto, the on-ramping has been the challenge to getting users on. Mm -hmm. This is a day-in-day -day challenge for us to you know, A-B test different sort of projects. But we do believe that once we start seeing mainstream adoption and understanding of how to use these e-wallets, there's going to be a lot of new financial opportunities for gamers, including trading uh, and also custody of the cash. Uh, and some of the things that we've mocked up during our sort of um, brainstorm sessions is uh, virtual marketplaces for trading of in-game item with value uh, and building an actual trader tool, allowing people to cross trade these items. Uh, I mean, there's still a lot of fundamental challenges, right? Because one of our goals is to educate and drive interoperability across chains. Mm -hmm. So we think games should be played not only in one dominant chain, it can jump from different chains, from Ethereum to Clayton. So there's very, very interesting conversations that we're having with a lot of the, the crypto and blockchain technology companies. Very, very cool. Man, I guess you're turning me into a gamer now. <laughs> I just want to try it out. <laughs> We we gotta get some game sessions. Definitely. Yeah, I'm I'm definitely gonna ask you which which game is the best to start with on my Mac here. I know absolutely nothing about games, even though I've been hearing things like Call of Duty, World of Warcraft for years. Right, those have been the yes. sort of blockbuster games. 
um, yeah. that, that people talk about. So, I mean, yeah, definitely. I think um, the Sandbox one will be a very great entry. I mean, obviously, it hasn't fully launched yet, um, but they're doing some pretty cool things that we're going to be kicking off soon. Uh, hopefully in the next couple months. One, one thing I've failed to mention is that a lot of interesting charity NGOs are looking at how to raise through gaming. Raise funds through gaming. Raise uh, ch- charity funds for the charity through oh. gaming. That's been very exciting. During one of the games, uh, Overwatch, they, they raised close to $20 million on breast cancer awareness through selling skins. We also recently done one with uh, Dapper Labs where Momo Wang, one of the key designers, designed a limited edition CryptoKitty and placed it on Nifty Gateway, which is the art-based NFT platform. Mm-hmm. And they raised a ton of money for the different sort of charities across Canada and the U.S. Super interesting. I feel like you can go down a rabbit hole when you talk about all the peripheral industries that gaming touches or can touch over time in terms of its reach, right? Kind of beyond just the perceived gaming ecosystem. There's like so much financial services being probably one of the most promising. The mentality from gaming to crypto is a natural bridge. Gamers, I feel like already understand incentives, monetization, like all of these concepts aren't foreign to gamers, right? Exactly, exactly. So one of the main things that we're seeing right now is that, you know, there really only is about you know, 150,000, under 200,000 blockchain gamers. But we're already seeing that with this type of small sample size, already driving over $100 million in transaction value. So I think one of the, the goals for us really is what happens when, you know, we focus on targeting the 40 plus million wallets of crypto owners to really start understanding gaming. And then we start leap, leapfrogging into really opening experiences for the 2.5 billion gamers. Where will gaming sit for the future? There's a lot of questions and excitement that we see. We're very much correlated to, obviously, crypto because we, we follow the same sort of mechanism on rewards and growth and liquidity. Mm-hmm. James, now I want to move on to one of my favorite questions to ask my guests. What's an important truth about the gaming or crypto space that you believe that few might agree with you on? So we believe that gaming truly has the ability to onboard the first billion onto blockchain. You know, obviously building great games is one of our focuses, mm-hmm. uh, educating the, the market. You know, what happens when, you're, when your son is playing video games and they end up making $5,000 in certain, certain <laughs> token? One of the things I forgot to mention, you know, being in Hong Kong, we're, we're quite advantaged in the sense that the Hong Kong government has a core initiative to drive esports as an industry. Another subset of a super fast growing industry within gaming is esporting. Mm. You know, it's crossed the $2 billion mark. And with Hong Kong sort of governance supporting this, they want to educate the people that this is an industry that is growing beyond just competitive being pro gamers. It's becoming a pro sport where if you look at the NBA, there's thousands of jobs within the NBA, right? And esports is really moving very quickly to being an established industry where we need to educate the youth of these opportunities. Uh, and again, blockchain has a very strong value for esporting. Yeah. I can have another conversation with you like separately <laughs> about esporting. I mean, that's a whole nother world that of course, you know, that we've, we've all been tuned into, especially here Absolutely. in Asia. It's of course a global industry, but in Asia and, and specifically in markets like Korea, esporting is really all the rage, right? And it's becoming a profession, not just a hobby, but a profession it's that people profession. are s- sticking to for years and years and years. Absolutely. And I think partly is because a lot of the, traditional large-scale game studios are really fueling the prize pooling, making them professional athletes. You know, Fortnite has over $100 million in prize pooling annually. So we're seeing this as a key driver for education and interest, the rewards. 
Very cool. James, now I want to move on to the rapid fire section of our conversation. Are you ready? Yep. <laughs> Always. What's one of your favorite games to play of all time? My favorite game, I'd have to say, is uh, NBA 2K. I'm a huge sports fanatic. The evolution on the, the game physics is amazing. And, and the competitive nature of it uh, in terms of esporting has made it even more exciting to see people play it. So that's one of my favorite games. What's your favorite blockchain game? Right now, I mean, early days in the blockchain game, uh, we're testing, obviously, our own sort of studio. One is um, F1. Uh, we're playing a lot of the F1 stuff, testing on that. I quite enjoy what we're doing with that. Uh, in addition to that, one, one of our, our partners is uh, Axie Infinity, which is pretty interesting as well. What do you think is the future of gaming in Asia? Asia is a super exciting space. A lot of people don't realize is that 65% of the players reside in Asia. Oh. So, so I mean, it's a big, big, big number in terms of the gaming community, right? Obviously, China being a huge leadership in it. China, as you, if you follow gaming, has really put some restrictions on the licensing on the genres. So they're going very specific on what licensing you have allow you to publish what games. But for the rest of Asia and APAC, we see massive growth in Southeast Asia, Indonesia, Vietnam. We see huge growth in Korea, obviously. Uh, and as we work across these markets, we see it being more and more imperative that the U.S. companies and technology companies in gaming cannot discount how Asia brings growth to the bottom line. So a lot of our synergies right now that we're, we're working on allow us to really bring our knowledge and partnerships and relationships in Asia uh, to facilitate and bring these opportunities to Asia and grow the businesses as, as a whole. Brilliant. James, how can people connect with you and learn more about Animoca Brands? Um, you could reach me at my email to share it out at jamesh at animocabrands.com. Uh, and I'm happy to share more about, obviously, we, we just dwelled into an early discussion. There's a lot of pockets. And if this is something interesting for the future audiences, we could invite specific sort of key opinion leaders and veterans within, within this space to share more. For sure. Looking forward to it. James, thanks so much for coming on the Crypto Unstack podcast. And we hope to bring you on again very soon. Excellent. Thank you, Leslie. As always, hope you enjoyed this week's Cup of Crypto. If you like what you heard, please share and subscribe on Spotify and anchor.fm slash crypto unstacked. Do engage with us through social media. I'll provide details in the show notes. And connect with me on Twitter at Les Lambo. That's L-E-S-L-A-M-B-0. Would love to chat with you. Thanks so much for tuning in. Take care and see you at our next episode.